Welcome to the Future Hero Podcast. My name is Baxter. I always begin my episodes and meditations with music. But I want to communicate clearly without any distraction. The way that I record these podcasts and meditations is I listen to the music that's offered up by musicians or that I've requested. And I try to let that music speak to me and to let it take me on whatever journey. And I don't believe that I'm speaking for the artist when I finally speak over it, but I'm speaking to my experience of listening to it. With today's selection, this beautiful music was offered up, and I listened to it. It's Sunday here, and I was trying to record today, and I listened to it. And it took me on just this magical journey while I moved to it that has left such an emotional impact on me that it has taken me really a few hours to kind of come down and to put it into words. And so everything that I'm about to say speaks to that experience. The artist that donated this music is named Hannah. And she is a violinist. Uh, She's very well known amongst the sort of transformational music scene. Um, I actually got to meet her super briefly in Costa Rica. Um, But she heard the call from uh, Facebook or through Facebook and uh, offered up a side project called Deep Sonus. And the music is beautiful, and it is completely meditative, and I have no doubt that you could also have uh, an amazing experience to this. If there's any festivals listening to my voice, I will buy the ticket if you can give me a deep sonus (laughs) session. Uh, I am already a gigantic fan. So thank you, Hannah. Her SoundCloud channel is Deep Sonus, D-E-E. P-S-O-N-O-S by Hannah. She also has another uh, SoundCloud channel of beautiful music. But this is her meditative stuff, and this is what we're going to use today. Thank you. Honestly, I usually have some idea when I press record whether it's an episode or it's a meditation. But I believe, with a, almost with a sense of faith, in listening to the moment, so that I can be closer to the pulse of the capital U universe. So as I was listening to this to wonder how to speak to it, I found myself on my own journey. Sober on a Sunday morning, yet lifted 
today, in this moment, I'd like to share about that experience. And in so doing, I realized that I'm making myself vulnerable. Because I wish to share an experience with you that was beyond science, beyond academic scrutiny. And I am aware that it could be a thin ice for me to walk across in order to get to the other side of what I'm trying to say. So know that I am sober now, that the story I'm about to tell, I was sober then, and that sobriety can bring an equal amount of journey and voyage. And when it happens in that space, not to discount the other spaces, but there seems, at least for me, a greater profundity. That there was no shortcut to the experience, but that it happened as it did. In a way, I feel as though I've been a message, I've been carrying a message in a bottle. That I am the bottle and that a message was sent to me, slipped to me in 2004. And I would like to finally pass that message along. I'm grateful to Hannah to write such beautiful music that it could inspire me to do what I think is right. Burning Man Festival is a giant festival out in the desert of Nevada. And I am imagining that if you're listening to this, you know that. But for those of you who don't, it's a group of 50 to 60,000 people now that create... um, what might be described as an ideality. It's like a collection of everyone's ideal vision of society. And they don't all agree on it, they just all contribute their vision to it. And most of what you hear about Burning Man 
It's honestly true. But there's a lot that you don't hear about Burning Man. That's also true. And for some of us, it's actually the bigger connection than the freeness. And that is, is that for many of us, Burning Man is a type of sanctuary. It's like a place of almost spiritual pilgrimage. Not that you're traveling to a holy site, but that you're traveling to the holiness within you. And there are plenty of burners who don't see it that way. But for some of us, it's that connection that pulls us back to that grueling desert year after year after year. Back in late August of 2004, my friend and I, Julia Hartzell, were summoned to a meeting with my good friends, Spiral and Elias. And we sat at a park bench outside of a co-op. It was beautiful, I remember it. It was a Tuesday. And they, their eyes both like lit up, opened wide like saucers, and they told us, we're going to Burning Man, and you're coming with us. And I remember the first question was, what is Burning Man? <laughs> I had never, ever been to a music festival, ever. I had no idea what that world was. But they pulled me in because they told me that all the best hoopers in the world are there and that we should go and represent. So in about an hour and a half, 30-year-old Baxter was convinced that he was going to Burning Man. That meeting was on Tuesday and we hit the playa on Monday. And I wish I could tell you that the moment I hit the playa, the moment that I saw my first sunrise or sunset, that I felt peace and tranquility. But honestly, my first burn was a mirror with the brightest, most revealing fluorescent light you could imagine. It was humbling and grueling for me for the first three or four days. Until one day, Julia and I decided to walk to the temple. That it was early in the day. In 2004, had had crazy weather. It was really cold at night, really hot during the day. This was like this rare exception. Maybe other people will remember it, but there was this rare exception where the skies were just gorgeous and, and blue and the wind was gentle enough that it wasn't picking up the dust. And we walked out to the temple that year, which was uh, gorgeous. And it was sort of bridge-like. 
And when we talk about the temple at Burning Man, I think that if you haven't been, if you're not aware of this spiritual side of it, that maybe I should explain a little bit more. The temple is a not in the middle, but towards the north, I guess. The high position past the man. And it's set up as kind of an open but intentional space. And it's kind of a hike to get out there. It's a, it's a walk from almost anyone's camp. And I have no doubt that, I mean, just in my heart, that that's by design. Because to walk to the temple is kind of like saying that you're going on a walkabout, that you're stepping out to move into a physical place that serves as a doorway into an inner place. Over the years, people have gone to the temple who have visited Burning Man and they will write tributes to members of family that have passed on or to people that they care about because at the end of the Burning Man week on the last night of the event they burn the temple and that fire carries like Agni those intentions out into the universe or sends those messages out to those who are eager to receive them and it's a very powerful place if you're empathic at all if you feel like you can feel vibe and going to the temple is a, almost a roller coaster ride. Because if you're, especially if you're open, you can feel so much loss and sorrow there and mourning. It's the mourning that you feel that just tugs at your energy. It can be such an intense experience that I've had to take years off of the temple. Just to get within 400 feet of it, I just felt overwhelmed. So it's a powerful place, and if you don't believe in that sort of thing, I understand it. But when you walk onto the temple any year with any design, there's a power there. Of course, there are some designs that inspire within you just an even deeper sense of beauty and feeling holy the 2004 temple was like that for me and I remember we were headed out it was beautiful we were walking across it and it's my first year so I was sort of realizing the tradition and, and putting everything together so reading all the memories the tributes I was just observing them. And it was about halfway across. I don't know. 
tightening up as I prepare to tell this, but just, just know that I, like so many others, was grown up to be skeptical and cynical about all things that couldn't be scientifically explained. I still carry those triggers that when someone begins to talk about an experience that's outside of that empirical realm, that I tend to folder them, I tend to box them into something. So I hope you can understand from an open heart that while this is difficult for me to share, that I feel like it's time. And as I walked across that temple, all of a sudden, I was slowly seeing images that I wasn't familiar with. And they were of hospital situations, like a hospital room. And it felt as though someone was giving me these images that they were moving into my consciousness, not by knocking on the door, but just by like suddenly sharing their memories with me, their images with me, and they were out of order and they were hurried and as I walked across I, I just sort of indulged and looked into the hospital room and I saw this being and I could sort of tune to her and what was interesting about the whole experience was it it wasn't like we could have a conversation but it was it was as though suddenly she realized she had made contact with someone and she started speaking to me in this very urgent very hurried way like it reminded me of the old days when we had to pay for phone calls with change and so we would hurry up at the end of the call because we had run out of money to keep paying the long distance. And so there was that type of urgency. And I want to share this, what she said perhaps as a message in a bottle, perhaps just as a story. And I don't want to get weird, and I don't want this to be dramatic, and I definitely don't want to throw the story off. And... But I think I should mention that I believe that she said that she had a daughter and the letter M, or the noise M, 
meant something. I don't know if her name was Emily or if it started with an M or... And I just want to be real so I can't get more specific than that. That's all I remember. She told me, though, whoever you are, that she had been laid up in the hospital for a long time and that she had not died quickly and that towards the end that she had become almost completely non-responsive Except that she said that she could feel visitors, but her body betrayed her, and that she couldn't express that she knew that you guys were there. She said that the experience felt like falling asleep and that she felt you there. All the times that you talked to her and held her hand. And it was this profound experience for me because I'm there at Burning Man having a questionable sober time Story. This woman comes into my life and she's got a chance to send a message. And that message is thank you. It was so urgent to her to say thank you that it meant a lot. There was one more time where I felt the same thing. And I share these because it feels like something I need to get off my chest to deliver. Maybe as crazy as it is, this podcast is the way to send the message. 
but not this past Mother's Day, the one that we just had. But last year on Mother's Day morning, I felt a mother speak to me. And unlike the the person from the temple at Burning Man, she spoke kind of in like a young person's, like not young, but like 30s or something, 40s, with this sense of directness, like she knew what was happening and she wanted me to hear what she had to say. And, and she didn't tell me. She just started talking to what was clearly her husband. Like she bypassed me and just started writing. And she didn't mention any names to me. But she referenced children that she had left at least more than one child behind. And I could just feel in her heart that she felt almost a guilt about that, about leaving that burden on her husband. And so she shared that she was eased in knowing that in knowing that she had selected a man who could handle that burden. could hear her crying. And she said she really had just wanted to see you bloom as a dad. She wanted to see you become dad because she knew it would be beautiful When we lose people we love, some part of them shifts into a timeless place within us. 
feel like we can be with them sometimes in that place. Grief can be terrible and spontaneous. But metaphorically or not, sometimes I like to believe that that's our loved one tapping on the glass. Trying to get our attention so they can smile at us encourage us let us know they're rooting for us that they're grateful that we went to the hospital that they trust that we can handle their loss someone in these last few moments be with them now fly with them through your memories Baxter and thank you for letting me share with you thank you Hana for your beautiful music the project is called Deep Sonus thank you (laughs) 